Wenn man dem Teufel den kleinen Finger gibt, so nimmt er die ganze Hand. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is German for if you give the devil your little finger, he'll take your whole hand. Or as we say in English, give an inch and they'll take a mile. Something Mercedes may have done here with Red Bull. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? That's got to be a record, man. That's I think that must be the longest <laughs> one so far. That was I Look, was there's myself. like one language that I, you know, can can pronounce correctly or close to it. So I'm going to I'm going to take my opportunities as they come. Uh also joining us Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Uh I am starting to feel like maybe my habit of emotionally bonding with Williams drivers and investing <laughs> my emotional well-being on Grand Prix Sundays is not the best way to enjoy F1 and is not good vibes. <laughs> Probably bad for your health at this point. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, uh, we have an episode just for you, our preseason primer Uh, assumes no prior f1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is so if you'd like to go back and listen to that is episode 137 Uh, also the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift f1 where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons uh, covering racing documentaries and films uh, f1 video games experiments with other racing series and a lot of weird things so if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes what's going on in patreon land this month danny uh, we will have our patron exclusive podcast up uh probably tomorrow right uh le mans 1955 which is a free animation that all of you can go watch on uh on youtube right now i shouldn't say animation it is an animated film we should say. Uh, I think it won several awards. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not Collins Bear animation. No, it's uh, not my. Just, it's not action script. It's not me doing flash animations of you know um, dirty jokes or anything. It's a. It's a professional venture, uh, which you can go check out now if you want. Uh, you don't have to be a patron to check that out. Uh, but if you want to uh, watch or listen to our review of it, and also dozens upon dozens of film uh, reviews about motor racing and documentaries, uh, become a patron. Of course, uh, the the last track walk we did, I did. My voice was basically totally gone after e3 um uh but i didn't talk all day so i could record the track walk of uh circuit paul ricard because i'd been practicing for like two weeks on my race setup to like do good at paul ricard mm-hmm. and then of course i did the track walk and it fucking rained so i was just like <laughs> swimming all over that track um but I did it. But Austria, I didn't do because I was away last week. Um, so Austria will be up this week. And then the last thing I want to mention before we get to our title sponsors, of course, as well, is um, uh, Circuit Demon, who is one of our title sponsors, sent us a package. I've been talking to him like uh, sort of on the Patreon DMs uh, because mm-hmm. I couldn't get I signed up to get those Daniel Ricardo wine bottles. Uh, we have a history on this podcast of trying to get Daniel Ricardo's drinks. Um, a couple of years back, we famously, uh, well, Drew famously had um, some of his wine, some, sorry, some of his beer, which is only actually, you're only able to get it in the south of France. Um, Drew somehow managed to get it shipped across the entire planet to the West Coast, and we did a taste test, which is also available on our Patreon. So we have to keep it going. 
uh, even though this wine that he released, I think, was only available in Australia. Um, but he was do- they were doing like a shipment order of it. So uh, our, our, our intrepid sponsor over at um, Circuit Demon um, bought two bottles and sent us one of them. So I got it just before I left last week. So first of all, thank you so much uh, to them for that. Yes. Also, I got a bunch of Circuit Demon swags, <laughs> shirts oh, and stickers yeah. and stuff and a very nice letter. So we're going to figure <laughs> out, we're, we want to make it special. We're going to shoot uh-huh. like a beautiful film. We're, we're in a beautiful part of the world. <laughs> Napa Valley is just up the road. Sure. But also Rob isn't here. So... We're going to figure out when we're going to do it, how we're going to do it. Maybe it's a summer break thing. Maybe it's an end of season celebration video. Um, we're, we're the, the due diligence, the work has been done to get us the wine bottle. We are going to uh, equally make sure on our end in post-production that we do a good job of, um, of making a fun video. And that video will be for all patrons, all uh, not just the media pass people. So um, I look forward to that one. Uh, and of course, lastly, certainly not leastly, uh, big thanks to our title sponsors. We've got a couple of new names in here, folks. Uh, Jason Kelly, Will Romf, Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Circuit Demon, Reagan, Sam G, Connor McManners, Joel Roberts, Abraham Getchell, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foote, Jack Ben, Greg Salt, BPM, who have gone with Breaking Prematurely Max this week, uh, <laughs> Drew Stewart, Someone called Leek, Leekma, Lika, with a surname that I'm not going to say on this family-friendly podcast. Thank you to Bart Simpson for becoming a patron. Uh, Simon and Phil Nov and uh, Pierce Draper, who only signed up two days ago. Thank you, Pierce. Welcome to the weirdest Patreon tier in the world. Awesome. Yes. Uh, don't, don't worry, Danny, about um, only re- recording the Austria track walk for this week, because we haven't had an Austrian Grand Prix yet. We've oh, only sorry. had the Styrian Grand Prix. <laughs> yes, I forgot to do the Styrian track walk. That's right. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> which is a totally different circuit. Are they going to do any changes between the two races? I don't think so. I think the only change we have is they are uh, they're moving one. All the tires are going to be one step softer. Oh, neat. so it was the middle three of the five that we got in Styria, and we're getting one click softer for. Austria. Uh, but yeah, let's let's discuss the Styrian Grand Prix, and that we don't even have to really do much of a uh, a track walk, I guess, for uh, for Austria because it's the same dang place. Um, Unlike, for instance, Sakir or the day. What, what what other double runnings do we have? We had two Silverstones last year too, but that was also just right. Silverstone, right? They we had Austria twice. Oh, we did have Austria twice as well. Yeah. Was that uh, it? Was there another one? I feel like there must have been another one. We didn't maybe. have. Well, we will have some news today on interesting changes to the calendar, which I'm very excited about. But let's yes. let's get through the race first of all, I guess. Yes, starting with the grid, Max Verstappen pole position, um, about two tenths of a second over Lewis Hamilton, which is not nothing. Uh, and then we've got Lando Norris in third. Sergio Perez in fourth, and Valtteri Bottas starting fifth. Valtteri Bottas, though, did qualify higher. He got a three-place grid penalty for a spin in the pit lane during oh, practice. Almost, you know, could have taken out some mechanics, um, but thankfully avoided everybody. Apparently, well, he was trying to do a... The discourse there has been interesting. Yes, it uh, has. Yeah, a big boy told on me or something. Yeah, like... <laughs> 
I looked at it. The video looks a little bit harrowing. Like he's kind of dr- like skidding. He's Tokyo drifting down the uh, down the pit lane a little bit. Uh, Brundle in his commentary on the weekend was like, "That's just not that big a deal." He was like, "It's." It's incredibly easy to do uh, on a green pit lane, uh, especially with with some of these tracks. And then in the wake of the penalty, Mercedes was basically basically called out their uh, neighbors in the pit lane, saying that basically like they're just doing a bunch of pearl clutching, trying to get uh, like Mercedes hit with the maximum penalty. But they were like, it wasn't a serious incident. Nobody was in danger. It was fine. Shit happens. And we've got a bunch of people like acting way more shocked than they actually are uh, just in the hopes of uh, hamstringing one of our cars. I don't know. I looked at it and I'm kind of with you, Drew, where like it's an F1 car slewing sideways down the pit lane. (laughs) I don't think it's a good, good look. But uh, yeah, it's just been interesting to see Mercedes kind of flip the table on this. Yeah, I I had also uh, um, heard that they so Botas was doing a practice start from second gear to see if that would allow him to get up to the pit lane speed limit faster and thus, you know, have a faster pit stop. So they were they were trying something different and weird. And I think the the point of the penalty from the stewards was like, don't be trying weird stuff in the pit lane where there are people around. So I can, yeah, I, I can kind of see both angles, but like, it doesn't matter if you did it by accident. No one does stuff like this by accident, uh, or, uh, or on, on purpose. If, if a dangerous situation occurs because of something you did, penalty might be coming your way. It just, it goes to, it's one of those moments that reminds you that like Bottas isn't fighting for the championship this year. Like you, you just don't, you don't. That's that's that type of unforced error does not a championship winning run create, you know, like what a what a absolutely fruitless uh, uh, three place grip. Like it's if you're at the front of the pack, three places is is a death sentence, at least when the when the when the uh, championship, the competition up there at the moment with the rebels is so fierce at their home circuit, like you need every advantage you can get. Yeah, yeah. I was- I was just going to say, um, I kind of agree. Like, it it definitely does feel like that that entire... It it diminishes every year the, like, can Valtteri challenge us here? The answer out of the gate has been no. That's not not in the cards. But I will say, like, yes, this was a foolish, unforced error. But in a weird way, I also do feel like this season, Valtteri probably is doing an okay job of, like, showing... Look, this is what a like he's a reliable number two driver who's going to get the team some points. Um, and yeah, it, like it's uh, if you're entering a period where you're not running away with a championship and the only competition is going to come from the team's other driver, uh, suddenly I don't know. I feel like Valtteri's value might be a little higher, uh, like than than it's been because uh, this was this was a foolish mistake. Um, but the recovery drive was pretty solid. Uh, and I, I, that's the thing, actually, I guess we will get into this in this race, um, which was interesting about the previous race, because like he hasn't, I think, done a great job of holding Perez back. He's 
he's not like that's kind of his role this year, right? His previous role was to just scoop up the points that are kind of there for the taking. Whereas this year, you know, Max has him, but Sergio is also like, you know, on top of him and getting past him. Um, and he's not doing a great job of like slowing him down enough for, for strategy situations. Um, but yeah, this race was uh, in that respect different. It, it ended up being better for Valtteri. So, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that near the end. Yeah, and I can I can totally see Mercedes fighting stuff like this a lot harder because like they're like at the front the the drivers championship is up in the air, and I and the constructors championship totally. is too, so they're they're looking to we need all the Valtteri points we can get, um, and we but, need Sergio to not get points because he right. is he has now figured that car out. Oops. Yes, he has. <laughs> uh, yes, that's the top five. Behind them, Pierre Gasly in sixth, Charles Leclerc in seventh, Fernando Alonso starting eighth, uh, Lance Stroll in ninth, and George Russell starting tenth in his Williams car. Uh, behind him is Yuki Tsunoda, who earned himself a three-place uh, grid penalty for blocking Botas in Q3. Ru- Russell did not get into Q3 on merit, but he was three one-thousandths of a second off it. So he, wow. he got promoted to 10th, but he was whisker thin on doing it, which is really something else. Yes. Um, Carlos Sainz starts 12th, followed by Daniel Ricciardo. Ricciardo not having a great weekend. Uh, Sebastian Vettel starts 14th. Antonio Giovinazzi in 15th. Behind them, we have Latifi, Okan, Raikkonen, Schumacher, and Mazepin. Do you want to take us through the start, Danny? Sure. Um... I suspect Max Verstappen has done a lot of races around this track <laughs> over the years. Um, so probably pretty happy um, starting here. Uh, temps were high, uh, but it's it's a fairly... I guess I guess maybe it wasn't as rubbered in as it would have been most weekends if there was the F2 or F3 races going on. They did have Porsche Super Cup, but... Um, and the W Series. Oh, you're right, but they did such a bad job of of promoting it. It wasn't anywhere yes. on the website. You had to tell me. I went to like the official race weekend website, and they didn't mention W Series. So, so I gotta, weird. Yeah, maybe maybe it was just I don't know. Somebody forgot. But anyway, mm-hmm. you're, so there you go. Well, in any case, um, everyone's gotten their starts down. I think at this stage. Um, because uh, great releases um, from everyone. Uh, Max Verstappen held uh, first position. Uh, Lewis held second. Uh, Lando, I think, was he in third? Yeah. So, so he, he he kind of went wide on the, the first turn, right? And, the, and ended up going off track. Yeah, the Perez-Norris thing was interesting. Perez actually got a better jump on Lando. Uh, Perez was in fourth. Norris was in third. Uh, and Perez got a little bit of an edge uh, heading into turn one. Um, but Norris sort of clawed it back and they were dueling all the way up to, uh, to three Perez got the position again yeah. at turn three, uh, cause Norris was balked by Hamilton taking the inside line. Uh, Perez went wide, but then they kind of raced side by side and Norris, uh, full Danny Rick style, like massively outbraked, uh, Perez into turn four and actually like looked like a se- for a second there, he was going to take a shot at Hamilton. Uh, he was, he was so fast out there. Yeah, it was a it was a battle that went on for like a good you know the first sort of ten laps of the race, um, which was a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, we did have a little bit of uh, contact, but it, it wasn't really any driver fault or outbreak. It's tricky, right? Because turn one and turn two are close, but turn three is a real like 
somebody can risk it all and throw themselves down the inside if they really want to. It wasn't that type of race, though. People weren't really taking risks on this one. Um, but we did have some contact at the back, and it looked like a sort of a, you know, a, a three into two situation. But when they sort of roll back the tape, what you actually saw was that uh, Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc were having a bit of a scrap down on that straight and Leclerc just kind of got too close to the back of uh, Gasly's car and uh, chipped away uh, sort of nipped his his rear left tire and damaging some of his front wing in the process but Gasly basically on that turn up to turn three uh, lost tire pressure in that Leclerc got him for position and then Gasly on the onboard you can see is like his wheel is like turned 45 degrees the wrong way to try and keep that car straight and just couldn't turn in a you know in a in a way that the other drivers were going to anticipate and that's why he ended up collecting um a bunch of uh uh spectators so he uh, was this was it Mazepin it was one of <laughs> Not the spectators but other cars on the road yeah he hit he hit yes. Giovinazzi and then um uh, I think he also clipped Latifi, Latifi who was trying yeah. to avoid him and Brundle's right. like that's four cars he's hit before turn three <laughs> <laughs> yeah bad um, start for him uh, to a race that didn't go on very much longer for for Gasly either yeah. yeah, I don't like. I think the replay is pretty unkind for Leclerc um, because th- you have the three into one through turn one uh, where Gasly, like, he comes out pretty well in this. Like, Gasly's doing everything he can to avoid contact. Uh, he is sandwiched between Leclerc on the outside and Alonso pulling up on the inside of him around turn one. And he gets through. Like, he, he navigates, but it looks like Leclerc bangs wheels with him. And ends up, like, jogging to the outside of the track, running off. And then as he rejoins, he really aggressively tries to tuck in behind Gasly. Yeah. And, like, it, you could not... it Like, if you were trying to cut someone's tire, you'd do what Leclerc did. <laughs> like, he perfectly, like, slots that wing under that rear tire and uh, just shreds it and uh, trashes Gasly's race. And Gasly, you know, it's like dropping a... um. I don't know. It's it's like rolling a, a bowling ball uh, back through the field because he just starts plummeting uh, yeah. as he slows down. And actually, that worked out. He becomes an obstacle almost. Yeah, and that actually, I think, was one reason why Russell gets a really good start. Um, Sunoda kind of, I think, looks like he's checking up as Gasly is starting to like just uh, descend through the field. And... Uh, you know, Russell sort of zigs left while Sunoda's, uh, you know, zagging right, and Russell gets around him really cleanly and ends up running behind uh, a pretty good elbows out fight between Stroll and Alonso uh, through through the first lap. I don't know if you guys caught that, uh, but Stroll went toe to toe with Alonso, and it, it was a pretty credible fight from him, and he ended up uh, <laughs> getting the edge. Yeah, um, a, lo- a lot of yeah first lap. Uh, action Leclerc though has to do uh, he does have to come in for a front wing and um, puts on hard tires at the end of lap one um, Ricardo also had a pretty good start he went from 13th to 9th on the first lap uh, again aided by a lot of that chaos uh, but unfortunately a power unit problem popped up around lap seven hmm. uh, that dropped he was he says on the uh, McLaren website the start was great we got up to ninth uh, put ourselves in a really good position on the medium tire and the race was looking up from there and then we lost power we were able to fix it on the steering wheel uh, but everything we gained we then lost and we were back to where we started after that it was difficult to make moves being in dirty air so he, he was not really anywhere after that in the race 
Um, I didn't realize that there was a power issue. They didn't talk about. I don't think people knew that during the race, right? He's uh, there was a quick radio message said something about power, but I I, I didn't realize that he was able to to fix it. Um, but it, by that point, you know, you're already mired in the back of the field, so. right? Yeah, and this um, and this track as well is a real nightmare if you're stuck in blue flag land because the lap is yeah. not long. So, well, yeah, worse for Mazepin, I guess. You're right. Uh, Russell, who we mentioned started in 10th and was running strongly in 8th after that Leclerc-Gasly incident, uh, comes into the pits on lap 26 for a very long stop featuring um, a, uh, an NPC I've never seen before. I guess F1 released the new, <laughs> new fire <guy>. enemy. New <laughs> guy launched. Yeah. New guy just dropped. <laughs> yep. New mechanic. Uh, with a tank on his back, uh, like a scuba tank and a big yeah. old like dial, like a big valve on it. It's, yeah, he very... looked like a, it looked like somebody to come out to like wind up the music box or something like the car, like a mechanical car. You just got kind of stuck in like a like a dial and just started cranking it. It was I was like, what right. the fuck is this about? <laughs> yeah, got, like a pressure issue, pressure tank. Yeah, um, as uh, Paul DeResta uh, surmised during the race, it, it may have been a, uh, a pneumatic pressure issue. And so they, they had to top him off, basically, um, using a little valve on the right side pod. Uh, that did allow him to get back onto the track, but the problem didn't go away and they had to retire the car on lap 39, which, you know, <laughs> so sorry, Rob. Dude, it it's crushing because one... Latifi's down, like, okay, Latifi got caught up in the middle of uh, an incident, so, like, he was going to be moved to the back of the grid regardless, but, uh, yeah, like, like my, my my gut feeling is that Russell's an extraordinary driver, uh, driving a really shaky car, and it's so frustrating that every time he gets close to sniffing points, something goes wrong, either. Now, the, the other argument might be, you could be doing this because he's consistently overdriving. Um, that either there is a misjudgment from him that like costs him his best shots or um, also like getting this kind of pace from the car means just beating the ever living hell out of it. And uh, (laughs) like, this is certainly like, this is an argument that, uh, you know, you sometimes hear is that a lot of the most successful drivers also do master a certain degree of being gentle with the car. Uh, and driving it within its tolerances, and mm. you can set a blistering pace by beating it up. Uh, and modern F1 cars are much more rugged than their predecessors, but I, I do kind of wonder if this is one of those things. It's not just bad luck. It's also kind of a product of the fact that like that car's natural pace is not where Russell is putting it. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's frustrating. I, I I like you know I've got a Williams hat. I like yeah. Williams. That's how much I I bought like a $70 hat. Because I like this team so much. Uh, and I, I like George a lot too. So I, I just just want some points. They've been well, so close. I think the other thing I'll say too is their first their first recommendation was like, hey, try to get try to back the car off, try to try to gap a little bit and, and get some air. And it sort of seemed like at this stage in the race, a lot of people started adopting that same strategy of like, ooh, uh, this close running is not great for whatever we're seeing on our various meters and dials. And so it did kind of feel like at this stage of the race, you start seeing a lot of people uh, maybe abort their duels and start going into a more of a race management mode, um, which uh, I think contributed to a somewhat less dynamic uh, second half of the race. 
Yeah, it was pretty warm out there, which, you know, leads to engine cooling concerns, because if you're running in dirty air close behind a car, you're not getting as as clean of a uh, a cooling airstream over your your engine. So, yeah, Um, the the woes, the pit stop woes did not end there, though, because Perez comes in uh, shortly after Russell from third place uh, and also has a long stop. Uh, This one is accidental uh, because uh, there's a problem on the rear left. And Paul DeResta says, Mercedes may pounce on that, which they sure enough do. Botas, who's running in fourth behind Perez, pits on the next lap and comes out ahead of him, having done a 2.6 second stop to Perez's uh, 4.8. Mm. Meanwhile, though, Leclerc, who put on the hard tire after lap one, didn't have to pit what everybody else does around this time. Um, so he picks up a number of places there. Uh, then pits on lap 38 for medium tires, effectively making up four spots uh, on that weird strategy that he's on um, and giving him himself tires that are 10 laps newer than everybody else. So he sort of begins this steady march through the field um, that, that starts in 14th place after that second pit stop. Yeah, all the while his teammate is also running like almost in the top five, like signs is having a solid race week as well um and that like that's the battle the other battle that's so fun to watch at the moment is them and mclaren and seeing yeah how both drivers are doing because ricardo again had problems but you know norris was you know not holding on to the third place that he started with but he's still in the mix up there in fifth i think he spent a lot of this race in fifth yeah um Leclerc has a battle with raikkonen on lap 42 for 13th place uh failing to pass him at turn three but eventually getting him at turn four. Uh, Raikkonen actually hit Leclerc's rear right tire in much the way that Leclerc had hit Gasly. Uh, but thankfully, Leclerc somehow escaped uh, a puncture. Yeah, he thought that he had lost his front wing. Kimmy did. And they were like, no, you're yeah. fine. Keep going. He was like, I saw something come off it. But they never figured out what it was. So it must have been something small. It's okay. You're in a sour. <laughs> um, only a few laps later on lap 50, Leclerc gets by Vettel for 10th place on the outside of turn four with DRS. And there's an onboard shot. They called it out um, in the race that like he, when he pops out from behind Vettel after chasing him, the oh, camera yeah. wiggles a lot and they, so they crazy. attributed it to turbulence, um, which if that's true is a really interesting um, uh, illustration of just how strong that is. So if you are curious to see that, I'll put a link to the the race highlights um, in the show notes because it's yeah, it was, in there. It was instantly like it was usually you you know you might see some of the overcorrecting on the on the wheel or something to show you. But I'd never in my life seen the car like so violently like, like oscillate. Like it yeah. was it was very bizarre. It was and I guess yeah, that's the the wake turbulence of coming off the back of his uh the of Vettel's car it was it was only for like a second but it was mm-hmm. just so obvious uh to see it was really neat yeah uh then Leclerc executes a tight pass on Alonso on lap 56 for eighth place and on lap 60 a dive down the inside of Stroll for seventh place so seven places in 19 laps uh was right. enough to earn Leclerc driver of the day yeah, and tucked up right behind his teammate. So, and they were pretty happy there, I think. Once that had been done, it was kind of like, all right, that's a lot of points this week. Yeah. We'll take it. <laughs> Especially after uh, Ricardo uh, ended outside the points. Yes, exactly. 
But at the front of the field, Verstappen is absolutely crushing it. Um, so much that it in, it enables Hamilton to pit for new tires uh, to go set fastest lap without losing any positions. Um, just behind, though, uh, Perez, who's running in fourth behind Botas, decides to pit a second time and go from hard tires to medium in an effort to do this, what we've seen a few times uh, this season, uh, to try to chase down Botas, who was on increasingly older tires. And it almost worked. Uh, lap tra- lapped traffic helped a lot to slow Botas down. Uh, but Botas, to his credit, he, he kept it together. Uh, he says using his rally skills um, <laughs> and didn't make any big errors that uh, that Perez surely would have yeah. exploited. So um, one more lap, I think, and Perez would have got him. But uh, yeah, he, did, he, now, he, he was never in DRS range, really. You know what I mean? Until yeah. the final, you know, until the start finish straight, basically. And it's impossible, right? So um yeah, one more lap, and I, I think, um, yeah, unless he aggressively defended, I think Perez had the had the speed. Yeah, so reasonably interesting finish, but yes, Max Verstappen brings it home in first, the first time since 2013 that Red Bull has won four in a row, and the first time since 2013 that Mercedes has gone four races without a win. We're having it. The year. We're having the year. It's, it's happened. It's here. Finally, yes. it happened. We can we can stop crossing our fingers and, and rubbing our little rabbit's feet. It's, it is here. Uh, and especially with, we'll get into the news, but, you know, the the fact that Mercedes is, you know, kind of done with this year's car, with developing it, right? Like, they're, they're, maybe. they're looking ahead. Well. Maybe. <laughs> so they were, it's interesting uh, that you say that. Because this was certainly one of the lines coming out of this race. They were sort of saying, oh, we, you know, we gotta, it's so important to prioritize next year's design. Obviously, we're just, there's nothing we can do. Uh, we're just going to have to make, make the best of it. And then I think, like, literally this morning, they kind of walked that back. And they're like, oh. well, there's some. There might be some upgrades <laughs> coming. It's not like we're writing off the season. So I kind of wonder if this is, I, I, I kind of wonder if it's, if a, it would also be better if, like, Mercedes were just getting blown out completely they might just like cut their losses but i could see this being the nightmare of like you're just close enough that you end up just like pouring budget into a, a title fight um and you kind of end up uh walking away from the the plan to completely prioritize the next car yeah um if you watch the finish you may have seen verstappen slow down in front of his team uh that was crowded along the pit wall and do a yeah. burnout in celebration Stewards did not like that uh, and warned Red Bull that it would not be tolerated again for safety reasons. He's supposed to pick I up rubber, understand. not burn it. <laughs> <Right. laughs> the opposite. Yes. Uh, apparently, uh, Autosport, Autosport dug into the regulations uh, and found where it says in the rules uh, that says any celebration from the winning driver must be uh, three criteria. Perform safely and does not endanger other drivers or any officials. I would... Uh, you know, assume that this is the one they pointed to for Verstappen because you don't stop on track. Come on. In front um, of everyone else. <laughs> does not call into question the legality of his car uh, okay. and does not delay the podium ceremony. Oh, they hate tardiness in F1. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's not, I'm not one of those people who's like, no, it's so cool. The burnout was the best thing ever. I don't really give a shit. Like, it was, it was an okay celebration, but it wasn't particularly memorable. But like, he was in pretty clear traffic. 
and it wasn't that much more egregious than uh, when cars slow to a crawl and go and hug the pit the pit wall. Uh, to <laughs> yeah, he was off the, the team. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's not. It's not. They're not as bad as they used to be. Like it used to be. Whenever you know, Red Bull would do, or anyone would do the. Uh, I guess it was sorry. It was Mercedes would do the uh, post Abu Dhabi donuts that they'd get in trouble for it, and then they eased off on that. Now it's kind of almost I part of it. I like, I like some donuts. Yeah. So I don't know. They're you know I, at least they do wait until they've done a full lap to do that. But whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, you know. Anyway, uh, yes, the Mercedes duo Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas took the last two steps of the podium. Sergio Perez uh, coming home just barely in fourth place, followed by. The solid Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz, and Shaw Leclerc. Again, yes, giving uh, Ferrari some really good points. Lance yeah. Stroll in eighth, Fernando Alonso in ninth, and Yuki Sonoda getting the last point in tenth. Uh, behind him, Kimi Raikkonen in eleventh, Sebastian Vettel in twelfth, Daniel Ricciardo uh, finishing thirteenth, Esteban Ocon made it up to fourteenth, and Antonio Giovinazzi in fifteenth. Behind them, Schumacher, Latifi, and Mazepin with George Russell and Pierre Gasly uh, with DNFs next to their names. Mm. And Hamilton did get that fastest lap. Yeah. This one drive by Kimmy. Every point matters. As well. He didn't, Kimmy didn't get a point. He was very close, but he mugged uh, Vettel as well. He ended up doing a, a decent run. And in a season started. where Giovinazzi has often, you know, been a couple of places ahead of him. Yeah. Kimmy started 18th. It's mm. impressive. As you would expect from a world champion driver. Uh, but as far as the standings go, let's run them down here. Max Verstappen is in first with 156 points. Lewis Hamilton in second with 138. Uh, third place, Sergio Perez with 96. Then Lando Norris with 86. Valtteri Bottas has 74. Wow. Uh, Charles Leclerc has 58. And Carlos Sainz with 50. That's interesting. The sort of narrative that I have in my mind that like is is that Carlos Sainz is is uh, far and away having a better season, but the points do not bear that out. Mm. Uh, Pierre Gasly's in eighth with 37. Daniel Ricciardo has 34. And Sebastian Vettel's in 10th with 30. Behind him, Alonso's got 19. Stroll has 14. Ocon has 12. Tsunoda has nine. And then a tie with the Alfa Romeo boys, Kimi and uh, Antonio, with one point behind them. Uh, everybody's got zero. That's Russell, Schumacher, Mazepin, and Latifi. Which of those has a point by the end of the season? Throw your cards there now, lads. Uh, constructors, Red Bull is in first with 252. Mercedes has 212. So a mm. gap of 40 points. Not nothing. Mercedes is in, uh, no, I'm sorry. McLaren is in third with 120. Ferrari is in fourth with 108. Uh, striking distance, for sure. Alfatari is in fifth with 46, followed by Aston Martin with 44, and Alpine with 31. Uh, then a gap back to eighth place. Alfa Romeo has two, and then Williams and Haas have zero. It's wild. Those last two teams are just in a different... It's it's crazy to see that much of a gap. Like It just shows you how much competition is in that mid-pack, or how big that mid-pack is that, like... Everyone's in there, like between two and thirty-two. Is that what the gap is between yeah. second last? That's that's crazy. This early in the season, that that's nuts. Yes. Speaking of the rest of the season, Danny, dude, this is exciting, guys. This is I am all about this. Last year, I think 
was obviously a nightmare. Um, but in 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 F purely F one terms, it was very interesting <laughs> from a where do we race perspective because it shook up a lot of stuff. It made us go to new places, almost all of which were great races. Like we had so much fun in Tuscany and Portimao, and we went back to some old favorites like Istanbul. It was just a sort of a you know all the neighborhood coming together to save F1. You know, your neighbors you never really met, the ones you used to be friends with before, and then they moved away. It was all, we all kind of uh, coming together to save the season. And um, obviously, COVID-19 is still a clear and present danger in many parts of the world, different sort of levels. Um, and uh, there's still some movement happening in this crazy, what is meant to be 23 race season. Um, we have had some movement this year. Uh, for in terms of that, we are also having a, a big change coming in the next couple of years, and a season stalwart, I guess, at this stage is having some pretty heavy modifications. So a, a triumvirate of uh, updates here. We're going to start with uh, Turkey, though, which is coming in to uh, pinch hit for Singapore. Singapore was uh, cancelled, uh, and it feels like a while ago now, maybe a month ago. Um, obviously, it's one of the sort of biggest. Uh, concern with the start of this season it's a city track it's in the middle of a city uh it's a street circus there's people on top of it it's built up uh covid is obviously um they're taking it really seriously there so uh that uh didn't make the calendar this year so what they've slotted in is uh is constantinople we're going back to istanbul (laughs) uh, which was a great race last year i actually watched it just for fun I watched last year's race last week. Oh wow! Um, to to remember how much how much good crack it was. This it was this one, and what was the other one? It's Malaysia, right? These are the two that people often say bring them back. Um, so we are going to get uh, Turkey back as part of a triple header that slots in between Russia and Japan. But Japan is the other one that has a big question mark on it right now because mm-hmm. um, obviously there's, you know, between uh, the increase in cases there. I mean, the Olympics is, you know, very has a big has had a big question mark over it for a year. And the question mark at the moment is only getting bigger and they're about a month out. So um, Japan could also fall by the way. So I will have to wait and see um, if it did. Let's just do two turkeys. Let's just, you know, <laughs> it's like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Just like double up on turkey. Uh, it's uh, that was the original <laughs> name for our podcast. I think. <laughs> Wait, double up on thir- turkeys. <laughs> two or turkeys. Thanksgiving, Christmas, two turkeys. Yeah, that's true. Um, congratulations, by the way, on on being at the top of Formula Dank at the moment. Um, uh, it was there's a Who? post up there. You are me. Oh, great. Yeah, there's a post there that says. Uh, when you realize the blinking white guy has hosted a Formula One podcast for six years <laughs> and it's just the blinking white. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Great. So Great. welcome to all our new uh, Formula <laughs> Dank listeners this week. Um, uh, another change that I'm very excited about, which is uh, an, uh, more so because of the, the race that's leaving, perhaps, than the race that's coming. But the Formula One Grand Prix is set to move to a new track that was built outside St. Petersburg a couple of years back. The Russian Grand Prix. So, oh, sorry, what did I say? <laughs> the Formula One Grand Prix. Oh, the Formula One Grand Prix. Yes, you know, <laughs> the one we do every year. Uh-huh. Yes, sorry. The Russian Grand Prix, which is in, you know, has been in Sochi. It's not exactly the most popular track for fans or 
for drivers or for teams. It's kind of hard to get to. The track isn't very interesting. It's kind of like they built a street circuit in the middle of nowhere for no reason. Um, It has one really weird corner in it, which sometimes makes Sebastian Vettel crash into people. Or no, sorry, not Sebastian Vettel. uh, Daniel Kvyat crash into people. Um, But aside from that, it's not exactly the most interesting circuit. People generally... it It is second only to Paul Ricard in, oh God... This is what's coming up this weekend. Um, <laughs> but arguably but way it's... less pretty. Like, Paul Ricard still has, like, a beautiful countryside around it, where Sochi's like, we're running an F1 race at your local outlet mall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for, like, a beautiful sort of seaside resort. It has, a, it, it retains enough of the, of the sort of, yeah, brutalist <laughs> uh, vacation destination, I guess. Um it's a weird track, and yeah, it's never really been that popular. And it's going to be going away pretty quick. In 2023, we're going to Igora Drive, which is about 50 kilometers outside St. Petersburg. It is a, a, a circuit that was built. It's another Tilka Drome. It was built uh, a number of years back and has hosted some uh, Russian driving. It was set to, sorry, Russian-based um uh, driving divisions and um, it was set to host a bunch of uh, international races last year um including dtm and a couple of other ones but obviously with covid that sort of scuppered that whole plan uh, but crucially it managed to get its um f its fia grade one license um uh, just after 2019 when it opened so it, it is a uh, it has been checked off. We will be there. It is four kilometers long, 15 corners. I've only seen a picture of the top of it. It looks wiggly and squiggly and has lots of very strange triple um, apex corners. And, and it looks like a go-kart track or something. It, look, it looks quite odd. I don't really know how cars will go. Right. It, it's undulating. I, well, I want to see like... A, are you, are you are you looking at the photo on Autosport? Yes, because I'm pretty sure that is a go kart track. Like, so there's two. Like, it's <laughs> the photo super. Weird. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you can see I'm there's literally the looking at a go kart track on the right hand, and then there's a smaller, <laughs> like, short uh, road circuit that looks like it's about kart scale. And then the actual track you can barely see. Uh, I do like that there's a a ridge in the middle of it, so there's a little like elevation change, but mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah, it's not a real good look at it. Yeah, I take back everything I said because you're right. I was looking, literally looking at the go kart track. Dude, so I this was area, at it, I was like, are they nuts? How did this get a grade one license? Like, yeah, I couldn't, not- I couldn't drive my my car around that. <laughs> the, well, it is a helicopter shot, so I couldn't, t- I couldn't tell how far away we were. Um, so apparently, this area is a sort of autotopolis. You know, it is. There's like shed loads of test tracks and I guess go kart tracks and um. It looks like there's a dirt track actually off to the right, yep. isn't it? The bottom right, right of it. Look, it almost looks like a golf course. So apparently, it is a sort of a new mecca of motorsport outside St. Petersburg, which is great. It's you know, if I a lot of people want to have these destinations so that people can go to them. I guess Sochi was kind of one of those. Um, so yeah, we'll see um, how it does when it gets there. But um, interesting, it is run by the same company um, who did the Sochi stuff, so it's not like somebody's stolen their lunch. Um, this is a new venture. Um, and then on to our last update for the calendar, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which has been the final race of the season for what feels like forever now. It feels like a long time ago we had those endings in Interlagos. Um, 
but it's been with us for a long time. Um, it is a new track, obviously, which was built predominantly for F1. I've been to it before. It's a it's a beautiful facility. Um, has that hotel slap bag in the middle. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. I think as the cars have progressed, it has become less and less uh, fun to watch there. I think it maybe suited the cars a little bit better a decade ago. Um, so there are some pretty substantial changes coming to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix this year. Um, it's already a track that has like multiple configurations. There's lots of types of racing that happens there. But they're fundamentally changing uh, essentially three parts of the track. Um so you may remember right before the big long start finish straight, the first, sorry, not start finish straight, the big long DRS straight at the back. There's kind of two of them. The first of those has a big hairpin, right? They all slow down. Right before that hairpin, there's a um, basically a chicane section, two, you know, a left and a right-hander would slow everyone down. Those are gone, gonzo. So you will drive straight towards the the turn, which if I recollect is actually already there. They just... They have bumpers on. They have curves there for the F1 race. But I don't think they're actually building anything new there necessarily. But um, So they'll basically just go straight into that. Um, the other big change happens after the second D- DRS straight. So at the end of that first one, there's another little chicane, little left right-hander. And then there's another. And then at the end of the second one, there's another left right-hander. That one's also gone. It's just going to be a, a straight 180-degree turn, which is also going to have a banking on it, apparently, which is pretty nuts so we'll see how that works um and then the only other thing that's changing is that the curves underneath the hotel that final section um which is basically like there's never any battling happening there because there's already these two big drs straights um the two drs straights you know at least they had hard break that second one had a hard breaking zone where a lot of overtaking happened i guess the bank might make that less plausible i'm not sure we'll have to see it maybe that's why they're basically making the turns underneath the hotel a little bit wider so instead of them just being the technical part of the track where nobody ever overtakes kind of like the end of barcelona or something right where there's just no point um maybe they're a little bit wider and maybe there's some chances to to you know nip in on underneath somebody um We'll have to wait and see how the cars perform on it. Um, I don't know if there's any support races or if anyone else is going to be racing on this type of configuration beforehand so we can check it out. Um, but it's interesting. And if nothing else, it'll add a bit of spice to that final race. Um, although we might need it this year because we've got a spicy battle going on for the title and the constructors. Yeah, so this will be ready for when we get there this year? Yes, 2021 cool. happening this year. Awesome. Uh, speaking of some changes to the speed of things, Rob, <laughs> you want to take this next one? Yes, yeah, so this is uh, a new change. They The FIA is mandating some changes to the way pit stops are handled. Um, they, they're basically mandating slower uh, pit stops. And the main thing they're introducing here is they're trying to, well, there's two ways of looking at this. As we all know, <laughs> Red Bull have a freakishly good pit stop regime that they run. They are, they are now routinely sub two seconds. Uh, that used to be like two seconds used to be like kind of the wall. And like sometimes Red Bull seemed to be so fast they'd almost crack it. Uh, Red Bull now pretty often gets stops under two seconds. Uh, Mercedes encouraged 
the FIA to examine uh, how these pit stops were running. <laughs> and it. the FIA, uh, as it often does, clarified some rules in a way that seemed really specific. Like that there was a specific <laughs> thing that they were calling out without directly calling out anyone. And the thing they emphasized was uh, a technical directive. Uh, so they issued a new technical directive that uh, emphasized something that already exists in the rules, which is that any sensor systems on teams' pit equipment must only act passively. I.e., if you have equipment that has like that is auto- that is fully automated uh, and is using sensors to uh, apply that automation. It is in violation of rules. And the argument for this is that, and I think this is a fair one, is that right now pit stops are so fast that they're happening underneath the threshold for like human reaction time. Like we all see the pit stops where the guys put their hands up and they they clarify that like their job is done safely uh, and the car is ready for release. And we've also seen a lot of pit stops where the car is released before that signal is really given from everyone. You see someone frantically trying to flag him down, and then you realize that someone's been released without a wheel tightened, uh, and you have something really dangerous happen. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a mechanic uh, get his leg uh, badly broken in the pits uh, from getting under a car that was released uh, too early over at, over at Ferrari. Now, the argument from Red Bull is that this is clearly Mercedes now working the refs to try and claw back some time that they're losing to Red Bull. Uh, and Red Bull is the team most affected by this. This technical directive seems to leave open the possibility that, like, there's something that Red Bull is doing in their pits that is against the spirit of the rules. That maybe some of the equipment they're using is using, uh, like, active sensing and automation to speed up these, uh, to, to speed up these pit stops. Um, and so I always thought that it was, uh, that the gun itself can detect when it is done screwing the tire on and send a signal. And then once, uh, all four guns send that signal, then the light turns green. Which is interesting because the old version of this, you'll remember the lollipop man, which was somebody at the front who basically told the driver when it was clear behind them. Um, now that function is kind of less it's more opaque right because there is no person dedicated to doing that but is there is there someone on the wall presumably there's somebody right who's maybe watching the light that. also has to get a, an okay from whoever's watching or like a, d- a dead man's handle or something right where yeah where you know if it's if all of them aren't go then it doesn't go go but like i don't i don't know is that the case like well, maybe uh, also also can you possibly make that call that fast but here's where I do have some sympathy for the Red Bull position, which is that I feel like when we've seen unsafe releases, it hasn't really been because of anything like Red Bull's doing. Like it's That's not true. it doesn't seem to be the systems that produce it. It is that you have a the pit stop as it is designed, uh, encourages teams to race like to to rush their rush their release. And I feel like the last big egregious uh release with a tire not fully attached was um uh was it Raikkonen? Uh, a couple years ago, over at um, it's been Alpha a while. Romeo. It used to happen. I feel like we're not getting this. We're getting weird ones, like you know, Russell and 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 some. But we're not. You're right. We're not getting those types of ones where 
there's like really dangerous stuff. That's happening a good in the point. Pits. Yeah, we're yeah we get ones we get a lot of ones now about like we mismatched the set uh, and mm-hmm. so we're in violation of the rules. But like these unsafe releases don't seem to be happening because of anything like Red Bull or teams are doing. What you see happen uh, when you do see an unsafe release, and this is true across motorsport, is just that people's adrenaline seems to be through the roof and everyone is itching to release that car. We just saw IndyCar, which has much slower yeah, pit stops, yeah. much more leisurely pace uh, in a lot of ways. Also, the uh, Indy 500 was probably decided because some news released without a uh, wheel being properly attached and the guy yeah. releasing it not seeing that someone at the rear was was freaking out. And so, like, I, I honestly do feel like Red Bull has a pretty good case here of, like, if there's a problem, like this is not solving a safety problem, not really. This is solving a this is this is cutting at someone's advantage. Now, maybe that advantage is a little bit in breach of the spirit of the rules, but it's been like this for years, and now we have a protest uh, cropping up, a new new guidance coming, uh, and this seems to have been spurred by Mercedes. I think if you're Red Bull, you have every right to be like, this is pretty sus. It is um, worth mentioning that there is a sort of established uh rule here in so far that um also race starts are governed by something similar where if you jump start the jump start rule does not mean that you can't that you can if you go before the five lights go out that you are in that you have jump started there's actually a window where it would be physically possible for somebody to uh, uh, recognize that the lights had gone out and then engage their car, similar to how you know sprint races are done in track and field, where it's not actually there. It does account for the sort of human ability <laughs> to to do it. So if you like, you know, go at you know point zero 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 one after the lights go out, then clearly you were jump starting and you just nailed the timing right. You got lucky. So yeah. you got lucky, right? So they do they do have this sort of human factor built into the rules of the sport in other ways um so it, it's not like that part of it is new you know what i mean yeah. at least it's somewhat part of the the spirit at least as rob was saying of the of the rules isn't it botas that got like if it was two tenths of a second he got like it was like point two zero zero one. yeah he that was, was his reaction lucky. time they're yeah. like it's right on the line but <laughs> you're either really fast or really lucky yeah yeah, um, I could. See, you know what Formula One doesn't do a lot is preemptive safety measures. That's true. Like they usually wait for something catastrophic to happen and then change a rule. I wonder if they're trying to just be a little more forward-looking with this. Um, yeah, let's get them one by one. I, yeah. I I feel like I can't recall any, but it feels like we've had a few of these types of ones where there's been sort of preemptive. But if you're really like if your if your concern is really safety, like the, this has to be slowed down, then you would do what endurance racing does and basically mandate a much slower pit stop so that like all the I's can be dotted and all the T's crossed. Like endurance racing, yeah, but you can't right. It's like that's the be- that's one of the F one you know uh, core competencies, right? That, that's mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things that gets people watching and gets yeah. Twitter videos shared, right? Well, and the races aren't long enough, like that. The difference of a couple seconds is decisive in F1 in a way that totally. endurance racing, you know, mandating that a stop take a couple minutes or whatever it is, uh, is is not going to be as 
clearly uh, debilitating to uh, to a pace. But if it's affecting everybody equally, then it shouldn't matter. Then these 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 deltas should uh, should should still. Like the, the the these should still be enough to keep the on track action uh, paramount mm. and, and keep it keep it relevant, but yeah, I don't know. To me, it, to me, it just feels like if you're if you're really concerned that like the stops are too fast and people are being put at risk, then I think every team up and down the grid is probably equally in danger of like having some sort of like scary incident, um, mm. and that would require probably a more aggressive uh, step than saying like your guns can't talk to the release machine. <laughs> right. Um, last bit of news here. Uh, you may see a new face in um, free practice one this weekend in Austria. Guan Yu Zhou, who is part of the Alpine driver Academy and uh, currently a formula two racer um, will become only the third Chinese licensed F1 driver to take part in a grand prix weekend, according to Autosport. Uh, following in the footsteps of Ma Qing Ha, who appeared in five free practice ones across 2012 and 2013, also uh, raced in Formula E for a while, um, and Adderley Fong, who took part in uh, FP1 at the 2014 Abu Dhabi GP, which is really surprising. Um, mm, I, I yeah. have zero idea how the uh, you know the ladder to Formula One looks in China. But there are um, a lot of people and a lot of potentially uh, a lot of a, a big potential viewing audience here. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't had uh, more more Chinese drivers come through. I mean, yeah, Guan Yu Zhou had a great season last year and is currently top of F2. Yeah, he's a talented um, guy with, uh, you know, almost almost half the rate. Well, no, I guess there's a chunk more. I think they all I'm not sure if they, they all have sprint races, don't they? Yeah, so. A bunch, but it's a it's a very competitive field. Um, I think he's only won two races out of the whole set, um, out of the nine or whatever they've done so far. So, uh, yeah, but he's in a great spot. A lot of uh, other great drivers moved up or moved on. So we'll see. Have to see who wins out. It's basically sort of Piastri, Schwartzman, Yuri Vips, or him. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just seems like. Uh if you look kind of what's happening with Sonoda a little bit too, like I think F1 does have a problem of pulling in people from uh, outside like the, the European circuit and the, the English speaking world. Uh, and that creates uh, some biases and frictions that uh, a lot of drivers in their traditional pipeline don't encounter, but also like talent pipelines take a, take a while to stand up. Uh, but yeah, it seems like this is uh, only a matter of time. Yeah. And Mazepin as well as a special case, right? Cause he's clearly here because, Daddy got the money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even more was, than Stroll. Like this is yeah, a, totally. Uh, Maz Mazepin was fifth last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's he wasn't he wasn't the one to come up. Schumacher was because he won. Yeah, but then you know, and Sonoda was because Sonoda came third. But you know, we'll we'll see. I guess I guess Mazepin did get more points than Guanyu Joe last year. So maybe 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 being a little unfair. Well, we've mentioned that the tires will be different this weekend. For the Austrian Grand Prix in Austria. Austria. Finally, we're going to Austria. <laughs> right. Um, maybe the weather will also be different. It will, it seems, be similarly uh, warm, mm. about 75 degrees Fahrenheit or 24 Celsius on qualifying day, um, with uh, light wind, but at qualifying time, uh, around 45% chance of precipitation. Come on. 
Uh, that increases for the race time <gasps> on Sunday to about 70%. Oh, boy. Just just if it can rain 100% on 70% of the track, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> Because we, yeah, we almost we almost had it this week that we had it was like flirting. Turn yeah. three was like getting darker and darker, and it just never happened. It was like Paris dark clouds. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's like it's, like it's like an Austrian like you know it's pretty high up. It's one of those places where like a cloud could just come at it anywhere. You can't you know it's yeah. like spa where they Mountains, just like yeah yeah microclimates etc. Totally. <clears throat> yes, um, that'll be fun. Uh, the Shift F1 Fantasy League, if you'd like to join, you can click the link in the show notes and use the offer offer code, whatever it's called, to get in there. <laughs> um, uh, we have a three-way tie for the Styrian Grand Prix uh, for third place uh, from Ireland. I'm upside down. Uh, from the USA, Bloke Bloke Racing. Whoa, wouldn't have thought that in the USA. (laughs) From Canada, insert Alpine-ish joke. Alpine-ish, I get it. Mm. Mm -hmm. I get it. Crept that one Uh, in, Bart Simpson. (laughs) Yep. He's not done. Uh, In second place from Australia, the race-ists. Okay. Okay. All right. That's that's pretty hot. That's pretty out there, right? Mm -hmm. And again, uh, from Canada... In number one spot, the room where it verstappened. Oh my God, a Hamilton that's, reference. That's really good. <laughs> uh, but overall, uh, a lot of names you've heard before. The overall standings in third place from Lithuania. Oh boy, you keep you keep making me say this. Tuktuko Variotojai. <laughs> in second place, the the Real Housewives of Monaco from America and from Canada. Ben Van Villeneuve. It's close, though. It's not like those top two are running away with it yet. So Good, good. yeah, because it's been a weird year. and it, It's because in previous years, you just <laughs> picked Lewis Hamilton. A right. couple of other dead honors in the middle. Um, yeah, it's, it's all it's to play now. for us here. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or uh, go to our website, f1.cool slash emails. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Shift F1 Podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world, Danny? It's race around the world. Yeah. We are kicking it off Saturday with DTM. Oh. That's the Norris ring. Norris is so good, he has his own track already. <laughs> I love Norris's ring. Uh, the um, W Series is also back again for their second round supporting Formula One. Woo, hopefully, hopefully they fucking mentioned on the website this year so I can watch it. I was dying for some extra racing last weekend. Yeah, so I I did a lot of research and found the one legal way to watch it in the United States. You have to have access to be in sports. There's a bunch mm. of other hoops you have to jump through. So I posted about it on our Twitter account. So if you, if you want to do that, go check that out. Um, be in sports is a channel. I think they mostly just play Latin American soccer. You got a lot of soccer on B. Yeah. I'm, I'm, if you watch football, European football, international football in America, you know all about being sports. <laughs> um, 
Formula Three, I think, is also supporting Formula One this year uh, or this this, week? this race. Oh this wow! Week, uh, along with the W Series, uh, the World Superbike Championship is in Donington Park. Oh. Uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is at Watkins Glen for the Watkins Glen 240. One of the best glens. It's up there. It's it's great. Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is at Road America for the Henry 180. We love Henry you, Henry. completely changed his mind. I think it's Henri. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a French footballer. Uh, IndyCar is at Mid-Ohio for the Honda Indy 200. Uh, the Motocross Grand Prix is in Magoria Park for the MXGP of Italy. And we got NASCAR. Oh, boy. Also at Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. It's a road in America. It sure is. And we're racing in the Jockey Made in America 250 presented by Quick Trip. Tremendous. going on there. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, Formula One is also happening this weekend. Maybe you've heard of it. Friday, July 2nd, it kicks off Free Practice One at 5.30 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, followed by Free Practice Two at 9 a.m. This time on ESPNU. Saturday, July 3rd, we got uh, Free Practice 3 at 6 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. Same channel is qualifying three hours later at 9 a.m. And the race, everyone, July 4th, ID4, 9 (laughs) a.m. on ESPN. Not you. Just pure, uncut ESPN. Mm -hmm. Or F1 TV. Or F1 TV. Yeah. Yep. Uh, final thoughts ahead of the Austrian Grand Prix, Danny. It's a day. I've got deja vu. We'll see if the tire um, makes a difference. The the yeah. At least they're mixing it up so that you know it's not like they're because they're super dialed in on those tires now with the heat. So mm-hmm. that that'll be interesting. Um. Yeah. Uh, I, last week's race wasn't the most 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 exciting race it was an interesting race i think i enjoyed it um let's let's get some uh let's get some drops of rain on that on that track see what happens agreed rob final thoughts yeah i hope it's gonna be a different sort of race uh last year they were last year the two races really bored no resemblance to each other uh whatsoever but that was largely because of mechanical issues like we alluded to last week. Uh, This week, I am hoping that we see a mixed-up table a little bit and some different dynamics. Um, But it sure looks like Red Bull has a handle on setups around this track. Yes, it shall be interesting. If you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.